Um, I'm uh, really thankful to be here. It's been, um, I was here last, was it last month or the month before? I lose track. Last month? Last month for the, for the youth event. And then before that, I think it was like six years ago, um, um, the last time I was at the church, or maybe five. Someone will correct me later. I know you all know dates better than me. I have no concept of time. Um, but I do know, I do know that the clock back here is like two minutes fast. So, <laughs> and the Lord's going to do a miracle this morning. Um, this is the 19th church I've been in this year. And um, my wife and I this year jumped out into full-time evangelism. And this will be the last time that I do a revival without my wife present with me. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, next week, she is, uh, she is quitting her job. And we're just going to trust the Lord. And uh, we're going to travel the country together and, and our car with our two-year-old daughter and sometimes our 18-year-old son and sometimes our five-year-old golden doodle. And we're just going to be, we're going to be those evangelists that do that. And so we're excited. Um, I am going to go a little different route than I thought this morning just for time's sake. Because um, I, I know that the crockpot buzzers will start going off here in about 21 minutes. And um, I really uh, I want to give some time for what I felt like the Lord would have me share tonight now. But w w the church is in desperate need of revival. I mean, it doesn't take any any like wisdom to say that like we, we need a move of God back in our church once again. And and we need to we are being invited into a time. It's almost like. I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of chaos over the last two years. But it seems like when there's chaos, it's an invitation from God to enter into like a kairos moment, which means an appointed time for something very specific to happen. And I believe right now is a time for the church to begin to enter back in to the things that God wants us to enter back into. And we see revival break forth. And I see revival, not just a couple of good church services, okay? Like, I, I, I love good church services, but I want more than good church services. I, I want to see Habakkuk 2.14, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. I want to see Isaiah 9.7, that there is no end to the increase of His government or of His peace. I want to see what Revelation says, that the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and of His Christ. Like I want to see the Lord move. Now, I, I, I'm convinced of this, that, that in order to see the Lord move, we need His Holy Spirit back. And so I'm going to read a verse, Acts 3.19. Uh, probably a really familiar revival passage. I'm going to use this to jump off this morning. Acts 3.19 says this, Therefore, repent and return, so that your sins might be wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Repent and return so that your sins might be wiped away in times of refreshing, or so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Now, I'll cover repent here in just a few moments, but I want to say this. It says that refreshing comes from the presence of the Lord. Refreshing. Refreshing means relaxation. It means like the... Like after you've just done a big physical workout, right? That 
exhale, right? To have a two, I'm 40 years old and have a two-year-old. And so every evening we pick up all the toys and the mess that she makes. And I go, like, after I'm done, right? I feel like I'm too old to be chasing a baby around the house. And yet that's what I'm doing. And you all do it with seven. I don't know how you all do it, but uh, just incredible. But times of refreshing may come. The, the relaxation, the, the birth, or the, 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 the relaxation from a burdensome circumstance, it means, it means uh, encouragement, especially during a difficult time. And it also means this. It means to get our breath back. Like, I'm tired, I'm tired, I need to catch my breath. We as a people need to catch our breath. Now, this is what's fascinating. It says that so that we might get times of refreshing from where? The presence of the Lord. The word presence means from the face of the Lord. Maybe that's not as exciting to you guys as it is to me. We get our breath back from the face of God. Why, why the face? Why the face? Genesis 2-7, probably a familiar passage. This is after God went through the whole creation narrative. And <clears throat> what's He do with man? It says that you know everything else He said, let there be, it was so, and it was good, right? And Genesis 2-7, it says that God scooped down and He formed man with His hands. And then what did He do? <sighs> Breathe life vitality into his nostrils, right? Exodus chapter 33 says this, that, that God spoke to some of the prophets, but to Moses, he spoke to Moses, what? Face to face, which actually, that they, that's, they translated it like that in our modern Bibles so that it makes it more palatable, but actually means mouth to mouth. Why? We need his breath, right? Then Song of Songs Song of Songs 1 says this, May He kiss me with the kisses of His mouth. Ezekiel 37, the valley of the dry bones. Ezekiel sees this just awful picture of what the church looks like. And the Lord says, can these bones live? <laughs> and Ezekiel makes this amazing answer. And he's like, well, you alone, Lord, know, right? That's faith-filled. <laughs> you alone, God, know. And the Lord says, prophesy to the breath or tell the wind, tell the breath, Tell the Ruach, tell the Spirit, the wind to come into these bones. Because at first the bones were making that rattling noise, right? And we understand noise is not enough for what we need in this hour. Like we can, we, we can, we can go through our activities till we turn blue in the face. But until the wind of God comes back, it's not going to make a bit of difference. We need His breath back in the church. Now let's give you a New Testament. I think it's John 10 where Jesus is sitting around the table with His disciples. And what does He do? And, it, and I may have the address wrong, so I'm just going to quote it. But he's sitting around the tables with his, with his boys and He says this. It says that He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Like we need His breath back. Now, how do we get His breath back? It comes by way of repenting. Like, it, let, listen, I wish it was easier than that. 
right? I wish it was like we sang the right songs and we prayed the right prayer at the right time and we did this and we wore the right clothes and we got up on the right side of the bed. I wish we did everything the right way and things would work out the way we want it to work out. But this refreshing only comes by way of repenting. And repenting, it doesn't mean just feel sorry for your sins. You guys know this. It doesn't mean just feeling sorry for your sins. To repent is metanoia. It means to change the way you think. Some of you are like, well, I thought it meant to change the direction you go. It does. But you can't change the direction you go unless you first think differently than you were thinking previously. Because if I'm like, I'm just going to go a different direction, I start going a different direction. If I haven't, if God hasn't changed the way I think, I'm going to go right back to where I was. And that's why, I'm going to be honest here, that's why some of us have came down to the altar and repented of a sin a hundred times and we feel guilty for it, we feel remorse for it, but we've never changed the way we think about that thing and then we have to keep coming back down to the same place over and over and over again. And the Lord, if we would allow Him to change the way we think, this thing no longer brings me satisfaction. I need you to touch me. I need you to change the way I think to where only you like all my fountains are found in you Lord and then he changes the way I think then I can go in a different direction amen two of you like that that's awesome just kidding and I'm not angry so if we repent that breath comes now what's fascinating to me is this the very first sermon Jesus preached he said this repent For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change the way you think. Because it's within arm's reach. I think there's a lot in the church that don't realize just how close heaven really is. I mean, it's there, but it's also here. Right? And somewhere between there and here, there's revelation on what that means. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand or the kingdom of heaven is within or the kingdom of heaven is within your midst. And what it means, it's, it's, it's you can go and you can grab onto it. That was the very first thing he said. And so if he's saying we need to change the way we think, I'm going to land it right here this morning because I believe the Lord's going to touch some people and renew some people this morning. I think there's two things really quickly, that we need to change the way that we think about. And I'm going to say this. The first, some of you are going to go like, well, no kidding. (laughs) You brought the evangelist here to tell us something obvious. (laughs) If nothing else, I'm having fun. (laughs) I think we need to change the way we think about Christianity. I think we need to decide that Sunday morning Christianity is no longer enough. Sunday morning only Christianity is no longer enough. We saw this highlighted over the last two years with the pandemic. We saw it highlighted. I mean, seriously, like, can't, whatever, for whatever happened, can't meet. 
and then people like, oh, I'm going to lose my relationship with God. Are you kidding me? Like, this is a big deal. And I've given my life to this thing. But if I have to stay home for a week, it doesn't mean that my faith is lost. If anything, it's going to cause me to pray and fast and intercede more for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me tell you this. The reason why we need to change the way we think is I think the Lord is looking for people in this hour that say, you know what? I'm going to worship him with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind and all of my strength. And I'm going to love my neighbor as I love myself with the same intensity and passion and fervor as I do on Sunday morning. I'm going to begin to do that on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. I'm going to do that those days as well. Romans 8 says that all of creation is waiting for the sons of God to be made manifest or to be made known or to be revealed. Could it be that creation is actually, actually Romans 8 also says creation subjected to futility. They're not living living in the, I don't know, the realm of glory that they were intended to live because the sons of God have not made themselves known. And I think in this time, it's time to Isaiah chapter 60, lots of Bible here, Isaiah 60 verse 1, arise and shine for your light has come for the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. Even though great darkness covered the earth, it's time for us to live this stuff out on more than just Sunday morning between 11 and 12 central standard time or whatever time it is here <laughs> right i get so confused every time i come to this area it's like across the line i'm on central take a step back and sometimes i can be in both time zones at once i don't get it <laughs> but it is time for us to live this stuff out and again i'm not angry but i'll tell you this it's time for some of us. Some of us have great legacies in the faith. We have grandparents and great-grandparents that have loved the Lord and served God. We have parents that have loved the Lord and served God. But some of us are going to have to change the way we think and, and start to decide that, you know what? I'm going to follow God for myself and I cannot ride in the eternity on their coattails anymore. Here at all time, like pastor in small towns, pastor in big cities, been everywhere. And it's always the same. Like, you know, I'll come across someone, you, you know, Jesus. Well, I, my, my grandma goes to church. Well, that's great for your grandma. What about you? Some of us need to make that decision. And you're like, well, I'm here on a Sunday morning. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah for that. But what are we going to do when the Lord speaks to us on a Tuesday morning and he says, I need you to pray today or I need you to fast today or I need you to go love your neighbor. I need you to go. What are we going to do then? What are we going to do when we get the diagnosis that wasn't as good as we had hoped for? And Sunday morning, we're touchdown. Jesus, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to his name, brother. Right. And then that, when we get that thing, like the Lord is looking for men and women in this hour that will live this stuff out. Now, here's here's where we'll land it. Like, I believe in miracles and like the Lord's doing one this morning. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you, the Lord just like, we're going to finish this probably right in 10 minutes and we're going to see the Lord move. But this is like an hour long teaching that the Lord has done in 22 minutes. You're like, well, I don't know if I can live this day in and day out. And, and most people 
say stuff like that because they don't, for some reason or another, they don't feel qualified to live in covenant relationship with God. Or they're like, well, I get how Nick can walk with God, but I really can't do it all the time by myself. Or, or they'll, they'll go to pray and then they immediately think of all the sins that they've ever done that they've repented for probably a hundred times, right? And the enemy reminds them of that. And like, well, I probably just need not to do this. I'm going to show us just real quick. And some of the teenagers that were here for the youth event saw this. And that's okay. I'm going to do it again because I think this is a really profound truth. We're doing all right. <laughs> if you want to flip, I'm just going to quote it, okay? But if you want to flip over, you can look at Song of Songs chapter 1. Song of Songs, favorite book in the Bible. Because it's, it's, about, it, it's about this Shulamite bride who goes through this journey of, of meeting the bridegroom king and it takes you through the process of meeting through courtship engagement to marriage to mature marriage like it, it's a picture of the body of christ growing but song of songs one i think it's verse four it's one one four she prays this prayer she says draw me after you and let us run together let me let me be close to you and let me live my life with you is what she's praying. In the very next verse, because by the way, every time you pray something like that, the Lord's going to answer because He wants you to be close to Him. And immediately, 1-5 through think, verse 8, she goes through this. It's like, oh, I don't know if I actually meant that or not she starts to go into this discourse with him and she says, I was black and I'm swarthy. And, 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 and then she goes on to say that for I was taking care of my brother's fields and I did not take care of my... Or she says, I was taking care of my brother's vineyards, but I was not taking care of my own. And what she's saying is this, is, is one, she's black, which is a prophetic picture of what it's like when we're in Adam instead of Jesus. You're marred by sin. And so she was identifying with what she had done. Swarthy means that she's not pleasing to look at. And, and for all intensive purposes, she's saying my, my skin has been so sunburnt that she looks like my leather satchel here, right? Like she looks like someone that spent two decades in a tanning bed. Like you know those people, <laughs> right? And then they probably spoke cigarettes too. I mean, that's just, what they, that's just the picture I always think of, like just shriveled up. And so here's this picture and she says, I'm black and I'm swarthy. And then you get to the end of this exchange and he says this, if you yourself do not know, oh, most beautiful among women. He says, he says, I, I hear what you're saying, except for what you're saying couldn't be anything further from the truth. See, I think we need to change the way that we think and start to realize that because of the price that Jesus paid, we're actually qualified to live in covenant relationship and union with God day in and day out. That's what he prayed that, that's what he prayed for. That's that is what he died for, folks, right? When he said I came to seek and save that which was lost, what was lost. Well, what was lost is what happened in the garden when fellowship was broken from the Lord.
Now, I'm going to show you this visible illustration. Hang with me for just a minute, and then we're going to pray, all right? Because I want to show you where you came from, and I'll explain some things. So, can I have kind of, Pastor Nick, can I have you up here, Bob? Yeah. You all do it. Can you get in the circle for me, please? Which one of you two has more kids? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had to ask. All right. So so we know we know that God, we know that God, He He's one God that exists in three persons, right? I'm not saying there's multiple gods, there's one God. There's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? We'll say Father because He has more children. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now we know that that before we were here, like God has always existed, and He's always existed in the form of the Trinity. Now, this is what I love. I love the word. There's so much love and mutual affection between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that they could not keep it to themselves. And so Genesis one twenty six says. Let us make man in our own image. Because there's so much perfect love, perfect love, perfect love, that they have to create something else where they can look upon perfect love. And that is why we're created in God's image. And for fun, I think that's why 80% of the earth is covered in water. Because when the Lord looks at the waters, He sees His reflection too. So, so here, here's perfect love, perfect love. Genesis 1, let us make man in our own image. And just for fun, let's do this right here. That... Uh, Jeremiah 1 says this, that before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Which meant that before we were born, that God knew us deeply, personally, and intimately because that's what we were created for. And so we were created in His image and we're living in union and fellowship with God. And I just paraphrased it a moment ago, but Genesis chapter 3, the enemy shows up and tries to talk us out of actually that we belong here, right? He goes up to Eve and says, hey, if you eat of this fruit, did you know that you're going to be like God? Problem was, is that we already were like God because we were created in God's image. Right? And so they believed the lie. And Adam and Eve, they sinned, they, they did it. And because of this, this union and fellowship, we were cast out of that. But there's hope and there's good news because before we were born, Revelation says before the foundation of the world, the Lamb was slain. So they said, they're going to mess it up. And so the Lamb says, you can come on over here, Jesus. Or Lamb. <laughs> he, says, he says this, they're going to mess it up, so I'm going to pay a price with my life. I'm going to lay my life down and serve as an atoning sacrifice so that they can be brought back in the union and fellowship. Now, why would you do that? Well, because Jesus thought we were worth it, Right? He thought that Him inside of us, Christ in us, the hope of glory, He thought that Him inside of us was payment enough for Him to get everything that He wanted, right? Like, like, like listen, like, like I'm, I'm a tightwad. I don't spend money on things that have no value. I just will not waste my money. And I think Jesus would not have wasted His precious blood if He did not see potential and destiny inside of us living in right relationship with Him. So He lays down His life 
for us. And then you know the story. Three days later, he raises from the grave and he ascends to heaven. And so he's, he goes back to heaven, right? But he goes, well, before I go, wait, I'm going to send the helper. I'm not going to leave you alone as orphans. You guys are on the ball. I love that. So he sends the helper, the Holy Spirit, which by the way, the word helper means paraclete. Now what I didn't tell you is what the early church called this circle, they called it perichoresis, which means circle dance. I know we're Nazarenes, we don't dance. But they were using that, the early church was using it to describe the relationship between Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And the paraclete, Holy Spirit, paraclete means the one who left the circle to bring others back into the circle. Amen. <laughs> I bring my own encouragement. So the Holy Spirit goes, hey, Michael, you're living below your potential. You're living below your destiny. You're living below everything that God has for you. I know you don't feel worthy, and quite frankly, you're not, except for He paid a price with His blood. And now, Jesus is the mediator between us, or between you and the Father, which means that Jesus is the lens through which the Father views us now. So when He views you, He does not view you. He views you as covered with Jesus' blood. And He who knew no sin became sin, so that what? we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That is who you are. When you come into the kingdom of God, you're not sin waiting to happen. You're now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And if we would get a revelation of that, we would no longer struggle with a prayer life day to day to day. And so the paraclete grabs me by the hand. You can hold my hand, buddy. And he pulls me back into this and says, this is where, where you belong. You all can sit down. We give my hand. Yeah, golf clapping for Jesus on a Sunday morning. So, so here's, here's what's amazing to me is that many say, you know what? I, 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 okay, that's fine. Sunday morning isn't enough. And yet I struggle because I don't, do not feel worthy or I don't really quite understand how He could love me enough to bring me back in. Let me tell you what. We need to get past this and quit trying to figure it out right here and start just believing it right here and eventually right here will migrate to up here. And I love education. I'm educated. So I am. I'm just saying. But, but there's some things where I don't understand, but I know it to be true, and I'm going to grab it with my heart, and I'm going to hang on. And He paid a price so I could walk in union with Him. That is what Jesus prayed in John 17. Father, may they be one as You and I are one. John 17, 3, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, says this, this is salvation to know God. Know means to deeply, personally, and intimately know God. Not know facts about God. Even the enemy can do that. But to know. And that's what he's inviting us into. And so it was like, well, I thought this was revival. This is revival. Revival is designed to bring us right back here. And in God's goodness, you're like, well, I, I prayed the prayer, brother. I did, I've been sanctified and whateverified. And, you know, sometimes I heard someone say one time it's sanctified, and sometimes we live like we're petrified. I did that, and I'm, I'm just going to say this 
But are we, I'm not doubting God did that because I know He does it. But I also know that like Acts 2, they were filled. And by Acts 4, they needed filled again. <laughs> right? Acts 4, 28 through 31, and they were together praying and the place was shaken. Like that'd be amazing if that happened. The Lord shook this place. But He paid a price so we could come back into this union and fellowship with Him. I believe the Lord is inviting us back into this. Now here's what's amazing is when I'm in this, I know it looks different than when Brandon's in this. And it looks different than when you're in it and you're in it. And and there'll be similarities. We read, we pray, we fast, we worship, read, pray, fast, worship. We do all these things. But there's the dynamics of a dynamic, intimate, personal relationship with us that he's inviting us into. And I think we can just all agree Sunday morning only is not enough because that will not bring hope to this nation. Actually, Sunday morning only won't be enough to save my family. It won't be enough to change the moral climate of this county in Kentucky. It won't. It's going to take people that says, I'm going to live this stuff in day in and day out. 